Good morning, listeners. This is Citizen You, a forum where we explore issues and meet people in order to help you to make a difference here in our community. I am your first Wednesday of the month host, Dan Jurdy, a Mendocino County Supervisor. On the third Wednesday of the month, your host is Ukiah City Council Member Mari Roden. Today on Citizen You, we meet a community member who volunteers her time to protect public access to our coastline and ensure development on our coastline is consistent with public standards established in the California Coastal Act and various local coastal programs. Today we meet Donna Brownsley, a resident of the Mendocino Coast who since 2017 has served as a community volunteer representing the public on the California Coastal Commission. Donna is this year the chair of the commission and recently led three days of commission meetings in her adopted hometown of Fort Bragg. Uh, Donna, welcome. Can you tell us a little about, about yourself? Thank you, Dan. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Uh, yes, um, I, uh, for many years, uh, lived and worked in Sacramento, uh, where I uh, worked in state government. And uh, I retired in 2015. Uh, but my husband and I have had a long and enduring uh, relationship uh, with Mendocino County. We had a home uh, over in uh, Rancho Navarro for over 20 years and also uh, had um, and then bought our home here in Fort Bragg in 2010. So uh, we moved, my husband uh, lived here full time uh, from the beginning, uh, but because he retired earlier and then I uh, moved up full time in 2015. And what happened in uh, 2017 uh, was uh, that uh, there was an opening on the Coastal Commission for the governor's uh, uh, appointment, one of the governor's appointments. And so I communicated to the governor's office that I would be willing to serve, and um, they were very interested. And so after a series of interviews and meetings, uh, I was appointed uh, by then Governor Jerry Brown uh, to the Coastal Commission. Okay, thank you. And um, in total, there are 12 commissioners who, ha- who vote on the commission. Um, so could you describe a little bit about the composition of the commission? Sure. Uh, there are 12 voting members, uh, three ex-officio members. So uh, the appointing authorities are um, the governor, who has four appointments, the uh, Senate President Pro Tem has four appointments, and then the um, Speaker of the Assembly has four appointments. Those appointments are split to uh, uh, locally elected officials uh, from coastal communities and then two uh, public members. So they represent uh, the coastal communities up and down the state. As you know, we have over 1,100 miles of uh, coastline here in the state of California, and we have um, a number of coastal counties, I think it's 16. And uh, so uh, the speaker and the um, pro tems appointments have limit, have uh, terms, and the governor's appointments are at will, so can serve um, for as long as uh, the governor uh, supports those appointments. So we can be um, replaced at any time, uh, but we can also serve longer terms. 
And we were talking before the show at the, uh, because one of the Southern California commissioners is during COVID is located part of the year anyway up in Crescent City, up in Del Norte County. That I think there are now surprisingly, um, I think six of the twelve commissioners who live north of San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge. Yes, that that is true, and that that's unusual. Uh, so um, it's a a wonderful time because uh, there are now two represent two uh, coastal commissioners who live in Marin, uh, one in Sonoma, one in Mendocino, one in Humboldt, and and one part time in Del Norte. So uh, it's uh, it's an extraordinary time uh, in that regard. However, we are a statewide commission, and so we often uh, have issues uh, up and down the state that run the gamut from. Uh, working with local governments on their local coastal plan, uh, especially local coastal plan updates. Um, but we still have 16 uh, entities, you know, um, local government, uh, either cities or counties who have not adopted their local coastal plan, which of course they were supposed to do 45 years ago. So we're hoping to get them uh, uh, their coastal plans local coastal plans adopted because then that eases the work of the coastal commission because then we are the um the um the the entity of original jurisdiction if uh if an area does not have a local coastal plan so in sort of big picture for people who don't live in the coastal zone um and most of us actually don't in mendocino county um even though we're a coastal county uh you know it's Back in 1972, the voters of California adopted Proposition 20, which established the commission, and then there was legislation that followed up to kind of help implement that. And um, and my understanding is that in the 70s, there were um, maps drawn up to kind of um, create a precise line exactly where the coastal zone would start, um, you know, west of a certain point. And um, like in the Fort Bragg area, uh, they looked at Pudding Creek Estuary, and because there's the dam there, um, the, everything, um, uh, it, the line did not go east of Highway 1 because of Pudding Creek. And um, But then Noyo River, which didn't have a dam, of course, it runs up the estuary um, a, a fair amount. So in some areas of the coast, the line runs maybe even a few miles east of the, of the ocean. Um, in other areas, it may run no farther west than maybe Highway 1. Is is that what you see up and down the coast? Yes. And, you know, even though the coastal zone line may not run uh, up a river or an estuary, uh, those environments do contribute to coastal uh, issues. So often uh, there will be, um, you know, some uh, interest in ensuring that those estuaries <clears throat> and rivers that run into the ocean um, are uh, particularly uh, given development, you know, throughout the country. It's in California isn't the only place. But <clears throat> there's a lot of restoration uh, that's in need of, um, of being addressed. And so, but yes, you're right. The coastal zone is clearly uh, uh, outlined up and down the state. And that's the jurisdiction, primary jurisdiction of the Coastal Commission. So when the voters wanted was to ensure, and it's in it's in the Coastal Act, maximum to maximize public access. Because back then the concern was that development was grabbing large pieces 
of the coastal uh, environment, coastal bluffs, the beaches, and privatizing them. And, you know, in the state of California, uh, we have a very strong public trust um, uh, laws. uh, They're in our Constitution. And so the creation of the Coastal Act was to ensure that any development in the coastal zone was analyzed and uh, reviewed to ensure that it didn't unnecessarily uh, block uh, public access to our beaches, didn't degrade the environment, uh, really, uh, uh, you know, conformed uh, with environmental and hazard standards uh, that were articulated in the Coastal Act. And as a result, uh, it's the reason why we have such a vibrant uh, coastal uh, economy and it, because of our coastal environment, the fact that is that, you know, we have uh, an extraordinary coastline, uh, which is not, it's beautiful from south to north, and uh, people can access it and enjoy it. And that's not true in other coastal um, uh, states. And what I've seen um first as a council member and now as a county supervisor is that the state has other agencies that work with the coastal commission um, to help implement those coastal access points so there's the california coastal conservancy which is often referred to as the sister agency to the commission and um what i've seen is that in many times the commission maybe because there was a subdivision of some kind on the coast and in our county it's often fairly small but it may be five units 10 units, whatever, that were created in the 70s or 80s. And when that subdivision was created, there was a, a requirement for an offer to dedicate an easement for the public to access the coastline there. But that offer just sits there until someone um, implements and develops that trail. And so it seems like it's often the Coastal Conservancy, again, that sister agency to the commission that then has funding that maybe in, in our case, in our county, it often goes through, they partner with the Mendocino Land Trust very often a local nonprofit to develop that trail and, and create that access. Um, what, how else do you see um, that um, process unfolding in where the public gets access to the coast? Yeah, I mean, that's a very common um, uh, scenario. And uh, the Coastal Commission works with a number of sister, sister agencies uh, in order to, um, you know, maximize that public access. So, as you said, you know, two of our sister agencies that we work with probably the closest are the Bay uh, Development, uh, the Bay Coastal Development Commission, which is the Bay Area, so all the Bay um, coastline um, down in the Bay Area. Uh, they're, they're the Coastal Commission for that region because it's so extensive, as well as the State Coastal Conservancy. And the Coastal Conservancy is the um, entity that distributes the public monies um, to uh, to uh, improve the coast and to offer access and amenities, trails, um, you know, restrooms, uh, signage, uh, restoration. They, they have an extraordinary agenda, and they and they were uh, the uh, very happy for all of us recipient of an enormous amount of money this year to. Um, do coastal uh, restoration plans up and down the coast. Um, and here in Mendocino County, as you noted, 
uh, often uh, what happens. And we're so proud of the Mendocino Land Trust. Uh, they work closely with the Coastal Commission as well as the State Coastal Conservancy. Um, and they are um, really uh, managing a number of coastal access trails, improving them, building them, and maintaining them, for which, uh, you know, the public is incredibly grateful. With, with other agencies, we also with other agencies, and those are Connection uh, Council, which is in the Natural Resources Agency. We work with a number of, hold on, Dan, let me. We work with a number of um, entities. Can you hear me, Dan? Yeah, it's better audio now. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I cut off the video. So we work with a number of um, other agencies. So the Ocean Protection Council, uh, which is in the Natural Resources uh, agency with them uh, incredibly closely. And in fact, Natural Resources um, has an ex officio member, and that's uh, Commissioner Mark Gold from the Ocean Protections Council. We also work uh, very closely with state parks and with Caltrans. Caltrans uh, has an ex officio seat uh, on the um, Coastal Commission. And then the, the one of the agencies that we work incredibly closely with and, and is, I would say, you know, uh, all of these agencies are sister agencies, but certainly the State Lands Commission. And so whoever the chair of the State Lands Commission sits on the Coastal Commission. So we have 15 members, 12 are voting, as you noted, and three are ex officio. And State Lands is really important because they are the uh, authority for all the public trust lands, so for you know all the coastline for the for the for uh, California state waters are three miles from that coastline. Uh, they have uh, authority over all of the tidal and submerged lands and nav- the beds of natural navigable rivers, streams, lakes, bays, estuaries, inlets, and straits. So state lands authority uh, goes beyond coastal. It, it covers the entire state, and we work really closely with them. And all of these agencies um, uh, work with uh, local um, NGOs to um, manage uh whether it's um, trails uh, or uh, duration for mitigation land. So say Caltrans does a project, they ha- there's a, um, uh, I'm just making this up, like a four acre area where there's gonna be restoration of natural plants and um, uh, the wetlands, the, then that, um, that work will be done by um a local ngo yeah and and i would encourage people to go to the Mendocino land trust website uh, they list uh, at least 12 significant coastal trails uh, that um that they've developed on the coast i know they've developed more than that but i'm saying 12 of them that i think would be deemed significant um one that's uh, not maybe super well known but just south of Fort Bragg called hair creek beach um, they've created a coastal access there you could get to it if you want to from the parking lot of the Mendocino College campus. Um, there's also um, uh, the Old Smith Ranch near 10 Mile north of Fort Bragg. There's also the Point Arena Stornetta Trails, Pelican Bluff south of Point Arena, 
Navarro Point. So these are some, um, you know, maybe more high-profile uh, trails and, and parks that Coastal Conservancy has worked with local community members um, at, and the Mencio Land Trust to de develop those parks and trails. And again, we're speaking with Donna Brownsley. She is a resident of the Mendocino Coast, and since 2017, she's been a um, citizen member of the public who serves on the California Coastal Commission appointed by the governor. And this last year, she, she's been serving as chair of the commission. And uh, again, recently, they had three days of meetings. Your, I believe your meetings are typically three days of meetings each month um, where you handle projects in Northern California, Central California, and Southern California. And, and uh, maybe you could just talk a little bit about the, um, the kind of the paperwork or digital documents that you guys receive for each meeting. Yes, thanks, thanks Dan. Well, it is, uh, I remember uh, right after I got appointed um, my husband and I went down to the post office, you know, to collect our mail. And there was this huge box. And my husband gets a lot more packages than I do. I said, oh, God, the thing looks heavy. What did you order? He said, it's got your name on it, Donna. It looks like it's your, uh, a mailing from the Coastal Commission. And I opened it, and it was virtually over a foot of paper. It was the only agenda uh, for that month's meeting. Now, we don't do copies anymore, which I think is fantastic. Uh, we just do, um, you know, digital uh, prep. And uh, But it's not unusual for, for commissioners to have to read over a thousand pages every month of reports and um, exist correspondence and uh, in order to prepare for the issues that come before us. So, yes, we have three days of meetings. Uh, we deal with everything from, as I said, the local coastal plan changes. Uh, we deal with uh, coastal development permits. So that could be a permit for a residential, um, you know, uh, rebuild or a, um, you know, hotel development. Uh, we uh, are responsible for critical infrastructure. So things like anything within the coastal zone, like wastewater treatment plants, or um, uh, utilities, railroads, um, you know, all of those kinds of, you know, like a couple of weeks, a lot of time on the Del Mar Bluffs because, you know, the Amtrak line that runs through there, uh, that bluff is eroding. And so it's an incredibly important issue. Um, and then we also spend time on enforcement matters. Uh, so where there's egregious violations of the Coastal Act, we wish we had more resources for enforcement, and often the public is concerned that we're not doing more, uh, but uh, we have a small but mighty enforcement team, and uh, they try to work things out with violators so that we can get the violations addressed so people can get the access to the coast that uh we uh want to protect and facilitate um but also uh the restoration of uh coastal resources that have been damaged uh by development whether intentionally or not and uh we spend a lot of time on projects like helping parks and certainly the caltrans projects are probably the most complex you know any bridges or roads uh, that need to be repaired uh, in the coastal zone have to come to the to the coastal commission. 
So, but you know, we do other things that a lot of people don't know. Uh, first, I want to mention our local government uh, grant program, where we help local governments update their LCPs and build the expertise that they need for issues like sea level rise and and other uh, emerging issues. Uh, we do um, a number of public education programs. Our whale tail grants uh, for public education are incredibly popular. Uh, in fact, the NOYO Center here in Fort Bragg has been a recipient, and they've done incredibly great programs on marine education uh, for the kids in this area. We also have a harbor and boats program, which helps uh, fishermen uh, uh, learn about more ecological practices so that they're not leaving, uh, you know, debris in the marine environment and we, and we help them collect it and recycle it. And, um, you know, we just have an extraordinary number of programs. Well, thank you, Donna. And again, you're listening to KZOX and see this is Susan Yu with your host the first Wednesday of the month, Dan Jurdy. Um, host third Wednesday of the month is Mari Roden. And Donna, you, you briefly talked about the whale tail grants. Um, the California state of California offers people if they want to to donate to a cause, they can pay for a, um, a special license a plate for their cars, and that's the whale tail license plate. And the proceeds go to the whale tail grant program. I think you were talking about. So, yes. for people who want to support that program, you you gave a local example of of one local recipient of that, which is the Noyo Center in Fort Bragg, which is um, a science center for. Um, you know, coastal science and uh, ocean science. And they have all sorts of projects. I hope to have them on a future episode of Citizen You. Um, and you, you, again, you've talked a couple times about the um, local coastal programs. So maybe we should um, kind of explain for members of the public that um, the Coastal Commission, it's it's the statewide um, act adopted by the voters. Um, there's a st- state legislation that implements it. And then and then as um, in almost every case, and you said there's 16 exceptions, um, cities and counties have adopted their own uh, kind of almost a, sp- a general plan for their coast coastal area that then gets submitted to the Coastal Commission for cons- approval to make sure it's consistent with the state coastal plan. But it's, it's much more specific to their area. And so, of course, Mendocino County, City of Fort Bragg, City of Point Arena all have their coastal plans um, specific to those areas that are approved by the Coastal Commission. And in our case, our county's plan is fairly old at this point. Um, City of Fort Bragg's was a, updated, I think, around 2002, 2004, that time frame. Um, but the county's is, I don't know, I think adopted in the early 90s. And so it's um, at least 10 years older than than the, than the City of Fort Bragg's uh, plan. So things like sea level rise have, have um, been identified as a, as a real issue that needs to be um, addressed with specific projects and one way to do that is is to update the coastal plan to make sure that that issue gets addressed whenever there's an applicant applicant um, there are, you know other issues that just have emerged climate change in general and um, and uh, so there's a number of reasons why local governments um, want to update their coastal plan it's um, it's partly just a man- matter of sort of managing staff resources, you know, like how much time can you dedicate to, you know, long-range planning, which is updating a plan versus just re- reacting to over-the-counter applications that come in. Um, 
I think I think there's agreement that in Mendocino County, we for the county government that it is time to update our, our plan. It's just a matter of making that happen. Um, are there other things that you wanted to point out about um, the commission and the way it works with local governments? Um, um, again, people when they have a local coastal plan, they're usually actually applying for their coastal development permit with that city or county. It only goes to the commission on appeal to the commission. So. Have you seen statistics that show what percentage of all projects go on appeal to the commission? I would imagine it's a fairly small percentage. Yes, uh, it is a small percentage uh, if they have a local coastal plan. But, you know, we have some areas like um, Venice and parts of L.A. where they do not have a local coastal plan. So those... Uh, come directly to us as well as some other coastal cities um, down in Southern California. And so uh, we are the, you know, the court, as it were, of original jurisdiction. But, uh, you know, we're hopeful that uh, with this grant money that we can work with those um, local governments and uh, help them, uh, you know, get their coastal plans uh, in place so then, yes, that will reduce our caseload significantly so that we can just focus on some of the other emerging issues, which I wanted to spend a, mish, uh, a minute talking about. So I think for, uh, and this is why it's important to update uh, your local coastal plans, and that's why I'm really um, encouraged to see that Mendocino County, and frankly, I think Fort Bragg as well, a lot has happened in the last 20 years uh, to update their local coastal plans. And so because we have this local coastal plan um, grant monies, uh, what we do is we uh, provide a lot of expertise for the local governments uh, or we give them money to hire consultants if they don't have the in-house staff uh, to do the technical work on updating their local coastal plans. And we have a lot of protocols and guidelines uh, to assist these local governments. But here, here are some emerging issues that I know a lot of members of the public have uh, enormous concern about, as do we at the commission. I would say sea level rise is perhaps the most pressing issue because that's gonna take uh, really an extraordinary amount of uh, time, energy, and money to address in the state of California. And, you know, we feel incredibly strongly. And so we've published a number of reports to educate uh, the public because we feel that the communities need to get educated in order to discuss the sea level rise issues that uh, impact their particular community and then to adopt adaptation plans because we want our coastal communities to remain resilient and we all know that you very it's rare to have good decision making during an emergency because you're being asked to to choose among bad options in an emergency what we want to do is have people plan for sea level rise and so we have residential guidance we have critical infrastructure guidance uh these are incredible resources plus the grants we also have to do the vegetation uh uh, uh, plans for, you know, for fires, you know, fires are moving into coastal communities now. And so, you know, Cal Fire has um, a, 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 a mandate 
to get these uh, plans done. They were working with CAL FIRE really closely. Uh, this is a priority. It's a lot of work. and But I know that even in Mendocino County, folks are a little concerned that there's um, a conflict between what CAL FIRE is saying and what the Coastal Commission would uh, require. So we want to um, you know, deal with all those internal inconsistencies so that the public is very clear on what the rules are. Plastics pollution, huge issue um, uh, for our marine environment. And so we have been working with a number of communities uh, to uh, implement projects that will significantly reduce uh, the plastics uh, uh, garbage that ends up on the beaches in the waterways and, and in the ocean. Uh, we're also um, really uh, advocating, and we have found a number of local governments who've done incredibly creative work in terms of coastal environment restoration. That is an, uh, an extremely high priority, uh, not only for the Coastal Commission, but for the Natural Resources Agency, uh, the Oceans Protection Council, and then the state lands, as well as you know our other sister agencies. And so we're really uh, uh, developing a... a uh, a library of successful nature-based programs that are really going in the long term going to show uh, smart adaptation and coastal resiliency because healthy wetlands uh, often uh, reduce flooding, which is going to be incredibly important as the sea levels rise. We've also spent a lot of time in the Coastal Commission as a leader in the state agencies on environmental justice issues, really addressing uh, the concerns of um, communities, of uh, people who have in the past often uh, been overlooked or ignored. And for us, uh, we adopted environmental justice principles a few years ago. They are incredibly important uh, priority for us in terms of the lens. And we're really helping uh, local governments uh, acknowledge that and include those principles in their updates. And then um, another issue that we spent a lot of time on, and I just saw that Sonoma this morning, Sonoma's uh, Board of Supervisors uh, voted on a new sh um, short-term rental policy. That is something that has enormous importance up and down coastal communities, and we've spent a lot of time on that. And I think that's another issue people don't realize uh, that we're required to weigh in on. And then finally, I would just say affordable housing is um, a really important issue to the community. But, you know, in the 80s, our uh, authority over to require affordable housing in the coastal community was removed uh, by a bill in the legislature and often uh, the commission has been criticized for not doing more uh, for affordable housing. And I just want to assure people it's not because the commission doesn't want to do it. We do. But we are restricted uh, by, um, you know, by law. However, it all there has not been a single affordable housing project that the commission has not approved. We expedite those projects. There is a pressing need not only for affordable housing in our coastal communities, but also affordable accommodations. There has been an incredible change 
in terms of the last 20 years of uh, there being accommodations that families uh, can afford uh, on the coast. Uh, And uh, as we know, often for many families uh, in the state of California, uh, a coastal vacation uh, is uh, the option that they want to, to, uh, that's how they want to spend their time. And uh, certainly, I think anybody who lives in Fort Bragg or Mendocino or Point Arena, really, or anywhere on the coast has seen that there's been climate migrants. So during the fires, you know, our community is just packed uh, with people seeking uh, to be able to breathe uh, the clean coastal air and to or or to escape the heat. And so it's, you know, for Bragg, luckily here we have a lot of affordable accommodations, but that is not true in a lot of the coastal communities up and down our state, unfortunately. And so you know, we think that is something that is incredibly important. So those are just a few issues, Dan, that I, I thought I'd mention. Um, there's prob- there's more, but uh, I thought that was a good uh, kind of, uh, you know. I think that's a great overview. Well, yeah, I mean, when I when you had me welcome the commission to Fort Bragg at the beginning of your three days of meetings, uh, I pointed out just in my little street in Fort Bragg, um, I think there's five of my neighbors that have moved in the last five years from, um, you know, inland communities. And I think in part, it was the change in the climate that caused them to want to move. I know my immediate next door neighbor um, is moving from Amador County and, you know, just feels it's time to get out of what they consider a, you know, a, a fire risk high risk area um so uh in talking about that uh, you know we've been talking about plans that the commission sometimes funds at the local level or the conservancy and i I would just give an example of that uh fort bragg adopted its updated coastal plan um in 2002 2004 and um the coastal conservancy had funded prior to that in the 1990s a, a, a a coastal access uh sort of a trail development plan for the harbor, which is um, mostly in the county, but partly in the city. And um, and so uh, when Caltrans was proposing a new bridge in uh, 2001, 2002 um, in, uh, in Fort Bragg, um, uh, I looked at that plan and saw that, oh, there's a proposed trail on the south side of, of the Noyo River. Uh, at the time, it didn't really have a specific name. It was just in the Todd's Point neighborhood. And it um, was anyway. So we um, I convinced the commission at the time to um, create a mitigation for the bridge. The Caltrans bridge at the time was a concrete rail. You, it would have blocked a lot of the views that was proposed. And um, anyway, so we ended up getting it through the conservancy um, in total from Caltrans a total of three million dollars for a twenty-five acre park. And in a lot of ways, I think that trail development what later became called Pomo Bluffs Park. Um, really became a model for the trail development only on a grander scale on the mill site and um so it's it's just interesting how these sometimes a planning document is collecting dust on the shelf but sometimes through opportunity you can um seize the opportunity to, and implement the vision that's in that plan um with with trail development and it, it certainly has on the, on the mill site in fort bragg with um the city working with the conservancy and the coastal commission to develop you know i think it's about 70 acres in total of, of public parklands and trails along the entire coastline. And that was partly based on that 2004 coastal plan update, which did call for a vision of a, a trail 
along that coastline if there was going to be um, a change in use on the property. And of course, at the time, Georgia Pacific in 2002, when they were shutting down the mill in Fort Bragg, or it sure looked like it anyway, but they said, oh, no, we're here forever. So s- stop talking about us. So so at that time, we put in the coastal plan and in the, in uh, we invented a zoning district. We called it Timber Heavy Industrial because that's, we said to GP, tell us everything you've ever done out there. We'll put it in our Timber Heavy Industrial. But if you or some future property owner want something else, we're going to require a specific plan for the whole mill site. And of course, because they publicly said, oh, we're here forever, we're not leaving. Um, that's what we adopted in the plan. And then, of course, they did shut down the mill and 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 space effectively leave um then selling the property or the company to uh, the coke industries and you know all, all that's gone on there since um so anyway so uh again these these plans can be implemented over time um because at some point someone wants to develop um the property and and that becomes an opportunity to create coastal access uh, especially when it's a larger development like that well, that's a, that's a really important point, Dan, because I think that especially uh, in the last decade, there's really been um, a lot of creativity uh, over, you know, how to, how to apply mitigation. And so, you know, uh, what the Coastal Commission has, and I'm just going to address this one thing that you said, nothing is forever. I mean, so that for a fact with the coastal commission the the coastal environment is changing every single day um and i also think that those those models having those successful models like what you just talked about in terms of pomo point uh encourage other uh jurisdictions to adopt those kinds of mitigations and so it is incredibly important and as a result i think now Caltrans has uh, really, uh, I think, uh, done a a great job of incorporating that kind of mitigation, uh, coastal trail mitigation, uh, restoration mitigation, as well as redesigning those bridges so that there's coastal views and, uh, you know, and uh, bike and uh, pedestrian uh, lanes uh, in those bridges. So, you know, there's been a real turnaround in terms of, you know, uh, how engineering best uh, present day uh, issues and uh, uh, priorities for communities. Well, yeah, and in fact, as I said, the, the bridge proposed at the time in 2002, I guess it was, for the Noya River um, Bridge was virtually a, a view obscuring concrete railing. But the commission at the time they approved this offsite mitigation, they said, and if Caltrans comes in for a proposed bridge somewhere else in California or this bridge amendment, um, we we want to work with Caltrans to identify is there a a steel railing that's see through that meets Caltrans' uh, crash test standards. The commission created an ad hoc committee. They worked with Caltrans, and in a year or two, they had identified. A railing that Caltrans said, yeah, this meets our crash test standards, and it's a steel railing. You can see through it. And that railing you see today on the Noya Bridge, because later Caltrans had to, they had some amendments to some minor changes, but they were physical changes to the where the footings were going to go on the bridge. That triggered an amendment to their permit. We still got the offsite mitigation because that was already developed and um but then they also put in the the new railing and that's that same railing is also on the 10 mile bridge 
And it's it's I, I think you're going to see it up and down the California coast when they build new bridges because of that agreement they made with the Coastal Commission to to not just put up something that looks like a K rail, you know, just a concrete railing. Um, right. So I mean, you can see the uh, bridge, and uh, we're gonna hear uh, uh, the Elk Bridge uh, this month. Um, down at our LA meeting and you know you can see those designs replicated as well as footage which are really important because another place where Caltrans has really updated their designs so that they try not to um, put the footings in the stream of the river and try in, in order to promote uh, the health of that, um, uh, that river stream so yeah yeah, I, I would personally say I've I've seen a difference in Caltrans in 20 years. I think um, I think they've got a pretty strong um, in, in environmental um, thrust at this point in the agency. And you know, it may be who knows, maybe 20, 40 years from now, we'll look back and say Caltrans, with all their properties in, up and down California and all the wetland projects they've developed along their corridors and habitat projects, they might be seen as as almost a, a state resource agency at that point because. Um, you know, I've I've been in meetings with Caltrans where they're they're talking about um, ideas about wildlife corridors that could um, you know allow wildlife to cross um, state highways in areas where, where there's a lot of conflicts right now. So, I mean, those are all all expensive projects, and it's not like the state has unlimited funds. But you can see, you know, Caltrans is looking at at I think issues that they didn't look at you know 20, 40, 50 years ago. Absolutely, and Caltrans is undergoing in all their districts and uh, and in their state agency planning uh, evaluation right now. And uh, those reports are going to be due uh, soon. They're responding to um, natural resources agencies. Um, uh, it, um, led to prioritize sea level rise and uh, Caltrans was on board from the beginning and they are working hard uh, because we have a lot of highways and roadways uh, in the state of California that are gonna be adversely impacted by sea level rise. Okay, um, Donna and uh, listeners, you're listening to KZOX and Z. Um, this is Susan Yu and uh, we're in the last quarter of the show and um, Donna is willing to take uh, phone calls, so the studio uh, line here is um, 707-895-2448. That's 707-895-2448. And so, if you'd like to call in, um, uh, I think Donna just sort of the ground rules. I think you're you're not supposed to answer questions if it's about a pending project, um, but maybe you can talk more generally about pro- you know how the commission worked you know, reviews projects if someone has something that seems a little too specific. <laughs> oh, yeah, no worries. Yeah, happy to, happy to, uh, I think, uh, I think the help the people. And right, the ground rule is I can't opine on a uh, project pending for the commission. Okay. Um so again, I'll just repeat the phone line is 707-895-2448. And uh, the guest today is uh, Donna Brownsley, who's a member of the Mendocino Coast, and she is on the Coast Commission chair. And looks like we have our first call. 
So let's see. Okay, caller, you're on the air. Hi, thank you very much for the show. Um, I'd like to, one of the issues with climate change is um, drought. And I haven't heard much discussion about water supply up and down the coast. And I'll, I'll take your uh, off, off, the, off the air, but uh, what is the Coastal Commission and, and other bodies doing about um, water supply for various communities up and down the coast? Thank you. Okay, thank you for the call. Thank uh, Yes, uh, drought is a, uh, uh, an incredibly important issue. We work closely uh, with uh, the state water boards and regional boards. They have primary authority in terms of water uh, supply. However, you know, if there's a project uh, that would be impacted, uh, drought certainly would be one of the issues uh, that we look at the um, example uh, down in Embria, uh, they have been a severe drought status for a very long time, several years uh, at, at least. Local coastal plan, uh, they uh, have a rule as uh, development cannot be approved unless you can certify there is adequate water. So in that case, we uh, have denied a number of projects that have come before us on appeal uh, uh, because there's not adequate water uh, for that new development. And yes, drought is something that we uh, address. Um, and as you said, it's a critically important issue. Uh, but we do not have um, primary authority uh, for that. So, Donna, I, I could just add a little bit of um, here in Mendocino County, the coastal plan um, in most of the coastal zone on the Mendocino coast, not all of it, but most of it, requires some additional um, well testing um, of neighbors if someone's proposing, in most cases, it's a single-family home. And, and so basically the way it works is um, – as part of the coastal well permit, um, they're going to demonstrate that their proposed um, well will not negatively impact the neighbors. And so the neighbors are contacted by the county if any of them want, the immediate neighbors want to have their well uh, monitored while, they, um, while the test well is dug at the proposed site. Um, then they can monitor it, I think it's like 72 hours or some amount of time, to see if, in fact, um, the drawdown at the proposed well negatively affects um, the, the neighbors. That level of detail doesn't occur in Mendocino County outside of those coastal part properties. Um, the Board of Supervisors is considering, and we've given a uh, tentative green light to um, a, a plan amendment um, outside the coastal zone for that kind of testing in cases where someone is going to be selling their water offsite. So not applying that same standard to all new development outside of the coastal zone but but in like i said in in cases where people were um going to be taking their water off site you know that that could you know logically it could potentially impact the neighbors so we want to make sure that it's not impacting the neighbors and, and be sure how to what extent can they draw down this new well for exportation of water um, without negatively impacting but anyway so that that is one extra um um, sort of standard that's in Mendocino County's coastal plan that doesn't exist elsewhere in the county. And, and I'll just add that, um, you know, we would 
weigh in if there was a development in the coastal zone that would somehow uh, contribute to uh, a deficient amount of water flowing in uh, a waterway that would adversely impact uh, the coastal environment. So we would also weigh in in that regard. Okay, okay. We, we, thanks. We had another caller. Uh, encourage them to call back. It's 707-895-2448. And, um, uh, yeah, Donna, I mean, uh, there's all sorts of layers we could go into with, with the, um, you know, the coastal plan as it gets implemented in each community in each county. Um, and, I, okay, we do have our caller back, so let's, let's take the caller. All right, caller, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, I was wondering about. Hi, I was wondering about the Coastal Commission working with uh, Fish and Wildlife or Fish and Game. I think they're called Fish and Wildlife now. Um, you yes. talked about working, like trying to coordinate with uh, Cal Fire, and I was just wondering what kind of work you're doing with uh, with the Fish and Game people around uh, stream restoration and fire abatement and uh, sea level rise. And all that. Okay. I'll take my uh, answer off there. Okay. Thanks for the call. Thank you so much, caller. I was remiss in not mentioning fish and uh, wildlife. We work incredibly closely with them uh, on a whole range of issues. Absolutely. Uh, They're critically important. Uh, Their expertise to many of the analyses that we do. Uh, We worked with them super closely in terms of the offshore wind. Uh, approvals up in Humboldt and Morro Bays. Uh, We worked with them uh, on just a whole range of issues, particularly on mitigation uh, issues and, um, you know, impacts to watersheds, to wetlands, to uh, endangered and uh, native species, whether it's plants or animals. So, yes, absolutely. Uh, we work very closely uh, with Fish and Game, and, and their folks are just so important in terms of the scientific uh, expertise. Um, and, the, you know, we share the same values in terms of restoration and conservation um, and, uh, you know, adaptation and resilience. So, uh, yes, thank you for reminding uh reminding us of that relationship. Uh, so, Donna, you said that the, as an appointee of the governor, you're on there at will. You were originally appointed by Governor Brown, and um, obviously Governor Newsom hasn't recalled you, so you're still on the commission. Um, uh, is there, you know, I guess it's just you serve and, and until you decide you've served enough or or the, the governor has someone else he wants to appoint. Um, so it, it, it's both those. It's both those. So, you know, when you're in at will, uh, you serve at the pleasure of the, your appointing authority. In this case, it's the governor. And, you know, I'm completely honored uh, to have, you know, to be serving, on, you know, under two governors, uh, I, uh, you know, really, really uh, love uh, the work. It's uh, so rewarding. It's, you know, for, I have to say the first two years, I felt like I was in a graduate school, uh, really, uh, just the learning uh, curve was so steep. Uh, but, I think that uh, the commission is critically important work that we do. 
the uh, ecological and environmental health of our coastal communities to, you know, the planning uh, that we do uh, to assist local communities to address their development decisions and their uh, community decisions. And certainly that's nowhere uh, more important than and sea level rise, really helping people to have and encouraging them to have really tough conversations. Um, you know, often we're criticized uh, by um, some folks because they're unhappy uh, with us bringing up uh, the need to uh, make some tough choices uh, with respect to either sea level rise or uh, fire protection or overdevelopment. Um, but with respect to sea level rise, you know, we try to remind people, look, we're not in charge. The Coastal Commission's not in charge of sea level rising. The ocean is. Nature is. This is a, this is a climatic uh, consequence of uh, our changing uh, planet environment. Uh, but our job is to help communities educate themselves understand the science, uh, understand what NOAA and other uh, scientific entities are saying the flooding risks, the hazard risks are going to be, and then helping them plan so that they'll be ready uh, when these uh, realities, uh, you know, uh, manifest themselves. You know, sea level rise is a slow-moving crisis, but it is a crisis nonetheless. And so uh, we, uh, you know, I am just, I am really honored uh, to be part of that conversation representing the public. Okay, Donna, I think we, we have time for one more call. So. Okay. Hi, caller, you have, you're on the air. We have about one minute. Hi, I just um, was wondering if your guest could speak to a timeline for sea level rise. Um, you know, how much and how soon and what are the projections on it? Thank you. Okay, thank you. That's a great question. And if you go to the commission website, which is www.coastal.ca.gov, we have maps and all kinds of uh, interactive uh, reports that will talk about what kind of sea level rise is going to occur in which communities at what level. So really, uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory said, let's just take, uh, I think it's La Jolla, has three flood days uh, today, this year. In 10 years, they will have over 50 flood days. Okay, and that's just, that's based on science. So we have all that information. Please go to our website. It's an incredible resource. Well, and, and Donna, I know that in Mendocino County, a lot of our cliffs are, um, are not really, you know, solid bedrock. I mean, they're not, um, certainly not granite. And they, they tend to erode a fair amount. And um, with sea level rise, it just seems like the storm events sometimes are bigger and just more impactful. And, and you know, I think, Caltrans with their Highway 1, they may be having to relocate sections of Highway 1 at some point, given just the cliff erosion. So it just seems Absolutely. like cliff erosion is just yet one more 
thing to look at in Mendocino County beyond, um, you know, impacts to say a place like Noyo Harbor that's pretty, you know, obviously very low to the water. Yes, so Noyo is going to be suffering sea level rise. Yes, coastal bluffs and cliffs. Now, luckily, in uh, most of Mendocino County, but certainly in Fort Bragg, there's not a lot of development right on the bluff edge. That is not true down in the Bay Area and in uh, Los, you know, down in Southern California. So, yeah, but every, you know, right now uh, up in Humboldt County, Highway 101 north of Eureka is flooding. And uh, those flood days are going to increase, and that's a major artery. So, you know, Caltrans has an enormous uh, charge in front of it, not just Highway 1, but Highway 101. And down south, there are a number of highways uh, that are threatened. So, uh, you know, I think that um, really uh, we uh, it's really helping the community understand where their vulnerabilities are and then planning to address those. Okay, well, Donna, I want to thank you for sharing your time with our community and, and representing the pu- public on the California Coastal Commission. And um, we are um, wrapping up the show now here on KZWX. This has been Citizen U, um, the first Wednesday of the month. I'm your host, Dan Jurdy. And the third Wednesday of the mo- month, uh, Mari Roden, UKI Council Member, is the host at 9 a.m. And next, uh, here on KZWX, we have... Uh, um, uh, Music with Patrick Gomes, um, Interlude. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.